0: Hey, Radiant Family. Thank you for worshiping with us and singing along with us. Hopefully, you were just as encouraged as I was by the awesome worship from our worship team. Um, Also, uh, we are about to transition to a time of going through the Word together, Um, and so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and grab those. If you don't, just go ahead and grab one, pull out your phone, get ready to go into God's Word. Also, parents, if you go to RadiantCharleston.com, we do have our kids' lessons up on the website, and so if they have their own devices or if they want to kind of go into a kids' mode right now, there's actually a video production lesson that they can watch right now from their home so that they they, that way they can be edified and taught together and so thank you so much for joining us y'all we are still trying to figure this out Um, this is our second Sunday ever being on the internet Um, and so we wanted to have an opportunity to um, do this with you and share with you and so if it looks a little bit different today that was on purpose Um, last Sunday we did it from the stage because we had a combined service Um, This Sunday, we wanted to meet you where you are. Um, You are most likely in a living room or an office somewhere watching uh, this live stream. And so we wanted to kind of be with you uh, because the church isn't a building. Um, It's the people of God gathered under the authority of God's word. And so hopefully you are experiencing the church even as we are scattered together. We're going to be in the uh, book of Acts. So if you have your Bible, and I hope you do, go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 2. Go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 2. It is in the New Testament. It's right after the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. If you go past John and keep turning a couple books, you will find the book of Acts right there. Um, Please join us in in the Word of God. As you're turning there, and before I pray, um, I just wanted to set up a little bit differently. Um, Some of you are feeling a bit of anxiety. Some of you are feeling a bit of worry. Some of you are wondering what the big deal is. And so we know that there are folks all on the spectrum of emotion right now in this moment. Um, But we pray that God's word will be a comfort to you. We pray that God's word would also challenge us during this time. I read it. We have a saying that we are not like a family. We are a family. And that means that we are God's family on mission, whether we can meet in this building or not. And so the charge and the one big takeaway I want you to realize after we walk through God's word is that although we are not able to maintain the rhythms of gathering that we've had before, we are still God's family on mission and there is still work for us to do. So pray with me now as we go into God's word. Father. I pray right now for everyone who is watching this stream. Um, Some people overseas, some people locally, right in their homes, Father. Um, I pray that you would make this word come alive in their hearts, that the screens and the sound and the distractions, God, wouldn't take away. um, But your word would jump over all of those obstacles, all of those barriers, and that we would be able to meet you in your word today, Father God. I pray that you would speak to us all, edify us, challenge us, convict us. In the name of Jesus, we pray amen and amen. Thank you for praying with us. There was a man by the name of C.S. Lewis. Um, He wrote uh, popularly the tales or chronicles of Narnia. Some of you have heard of the movies or even read the books, Um, but he was a Christian, um, an Anglican, um, raised in Britain, and he served in England during World War II. Um, And funny enough, He began to be asked to explain Christianity to others, um, even on the BBC broadcast. So during the height of World War II from 1941 all the way through 1944, um, C.S. Lewis did these radio broadcasts explaining the foundations of the faith. Later, those radio broadcasts were compiled into a book that we now know as Mere Christianity. And Mir wasn't meant to diminish the power of Christianity. is not saying that it's just just Christianity, but it's saying at its root, what does it mean to be a Christian? Um, outside of denominational affiliations, outside of some creeds, what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? And so he sought to unpack those truths for us today. And the something that has been encouraging me today is realizing the foundations of the faith today. We have been blessed for thousands of years of Christian history. There are Christian hospitals and schools and churches going about the mission of God. We have systematic commentaries and and software and tools and resources. We have books and libraries, even publishing houses for Christian works and literature. Um, And so Christianity has been not just spreading, but it's been evolving in, in a good way providing more resources to more people, translating the Bible into more languages. These are good things. Um, But as we are in a season of having some of those good things stripped away for a season, it's giving me a moment of pause to say, okay, are those things essential? Those things are good. I'm I'm glad for the commentaries and the tools that I have. I'm glad for our church building, which meets in North Charleston. I'm glad to be able to celebrate with God's people with musical instruments and technology and all of those things are good, but are they necessary? But are they necessary? And so without meeting in a building, can we still be the church without the aids of technology and tools? Can we still spread the mission? And so today I want to walk through Acts chapter 2, which is really the story, our story, of how we all got here. The birth of the New Testament church happens in the book of Acts, and I want to walk through some of these simple truths about what the church is, who we are in Christ, and what we should do in light of those truths. Would you join me in Acts chapter 2, verses 22 and following? Peter speaking, says, Fellow Israelites, listen to these words. This Jesus of Nazareth was a man attested to you by God with miracles, wonders, and signs that God did among you through him just as you yourselves know. Though he was delivered up according to God, determined, plan and foreknowledge, you used lawless people to nail him to a cross and kill him. God raised him up, ending the pains of death because it was not possible for him to be held by death. What's happening right now? So there was a miraculous moment in the book of Acts chapter 2 where there was a rushing wind where the disciples who were gathered, who had only measured 120 in number, were gathering and praying, waiting for the instructions of the Lord, which said, wait until the Spirit comes, wait until the comforter comes. And so they were praying in an upper room, and then one day tongues of fire fell down from heaven. The place was filled with the power and presence of the Spirit, and they began to speak in other languages, proclaiming the goodness and glory of God. And then that caused a little bit of a stir because now there was dozens of languages being spoken simultaneously and all of them were giving praise and glory to God. And so people begin to gather around and say, what is this? Surely these people must be drunk. And Peter got up and said, no, they're not drunk. No, this isn't a mystery. This is the fulfillment of the prophecy, which says that in the last days I will pour up my spirit upon these people. And Peter began to preach a sermon to those gathered talking about this Jesus who had just killed not too long ago. This man, Jesus, who was born in Nazareth, who was raised and who lived a perfect life. One day he was accused of things he did not do, but he was a threat to the political and religious power of those in charge. And so they began to raise accusations against him. And one day, Jesus, who was innocent, the lamb who was slain, the son of God was nailed to a tree, which is a form of Roman crucifixion. He faced the death penalty because of trumped up charges against him. Peter is saying that this man, who these same folks had rallied against to see crucified, this man was actually the Messiah. This man was the hope that was promised from eternity past. And so it was God's plan that he would suffer and die so that we would not. So verse 32 picks up Paul, Peter's sermon here. It says, God has raised this Jesus. We are all witness of this. Therefore, since he has been exalted to the right hand of God and has received from the Father, the promised Holy Spirit, he has poured out with you both see and hear. For it was not David who ascended into the heavens, but himself says, David says, the Lord declared to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore, listen carefully. Therefore, verse 36, let all the house of Israel know with certainty that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. You see, there are lots of pages in the Bible. There are lots of words filled on every page, but its story really distills down to this verse right here in Acts chapter two, verse 36, that God has made this man Jesus, whom was crucified, both Lord and Messiah. And so some of you are members of Radiant Church and you attend regularly and we celebrate the person and work of Jesus every single week. But I would wager that some of you tuning in for the very first time have been to church several times and heard lots of things, but maybe have never heard clearly what the church is about, what the Bible is about. So let me tell you plainly, the Bible is about Jesus. The gathering on Sunday is about worshiping Jesus and having his life fill us so that we can go live like him day by day. And Peter, in his first sermon, makes clear what is of first importance, that Jesus is both Lord and Messiah. These are two words that are not commonly used in our language. Let me unpack them for just a moment. Lord, what does it mean that Jesus is Lord? Jesus is Lord because he's in charge. Jesus didn't just come on the scene when he was born. Genesis chapter one tells that we designed the heavens and the earth. The prophets of old declared that there was a Messiah who's is pre-existent and eternal. And so Jesus is the creator of heaven and earth. Other passages of the Bible says that through him, all things were made and for him, all things were made. And so we begin to see that Jesus is Lord because he is the creator of all, the sustainer of all. And he gets the final say about his creation, including us. Now, to be Lord is true, but that's not the whole story. He's also Messiah. Messiah is the anointed one, the one who came to rescue us. Now, the question that you should be asking right now is, why did we need to be rescued? Why did Jesus have to come and save us at all? We were doing fine. And so I would ask the question, are you doing fine? The reality is it doesn't take a theological or seminary degree to realize that there is something wrong with this world. There is something wrong with us. As much as we strive for peace, war seems inevitable. As much as we maintain our health, sickness seems unavoidable. As much as we plan and prepare, disaster seems inevitable. And so there seems to be something wrong with this world. And what is the answer? Is it merely self-improvement? Is it merely doing better? Is it merely trying harder? Is it merely being a good person? The answer is no, because if we're honest, we've never been a good person a day in our lives. We've tried to be. Other people may think we are, but if they knew what we knew, if they knew our thoughts that we would never say, if they knew our desires that we fight hard to not act on, if people knew us like God knew us, they would know the truth that I am not a good person and neither are you. And so even if that was an option, which is not, that would still not go far enough. And so who can save us from this death? Who can save us from ourselves? You see, God created all as Lord. And so as Lord, he gets the final say on right and wrong. And all of us have fallen short of that standard. And so when we stand before the great judge of all the earth, what's going to be our plea? Guilty or not guilty, how will we plead in the court of the eternal God? And if we're honest for just a moment, we would know that we would all have to plead guilty. Even by our own standards, we have fallen short. Definitely by God's standards, we have not measured up. And so God, as Lord, should instill a bit of fear, a bit of of worry even, that if, if he's the one that we have to answer to, then I have much to answer for. And so Jesus is both Lord and Messiah is what makes this good news. Jesus doesn't just feel bad for us in our sin. He doesn't just feel bad for us in our sickness. He doesn't just feel bad for us in our calamity. No, he comes to rescue us. And that is what a Messiah is. It's one who's been promised and appointed to come rescue us. And so Jesus lived a perfect life, not just for himself, but for us so that we would never have to try. Jesus died a death by gruesome hands so that we would not have to face eternal death by the hands of a just and holy God. And so Paul, I'm sorry, Peter, is preaching this message that Jesus is both Lord, the standard, the owner, the ruler, and Messiah, the hope, the rescuer, the redeemer. And that is good news. That is the good news. And so whatever you've heard in church before, that whatever you thought about church is, whatever you thought church should be about at its core and at its root, that is what we are about. Proclaiming Jesus as both Lord and Messiah as both the standard, the God, the judge, and the rescuer and the redeemer and the hope. And so that is a simple message, but that is what the Bible is about. And so that is the message that we hear Peter preaching in Acts chapter two, verse 36, most clearly that Jesus is this man. So what should we do? We're talking about the simplicity of this faith, this mere Christianity unadorned by some of the other things that we've added to it over the years, not bad things but maybe things that have gotten in the way of confusing what we're all about. And so hearing this simple message of Jesus being both Lord and Messiah, what should our response be? Well, let's keep reading and see what the Bible has to say. Verse 37 of Acts chapter two says, when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what should we do? Here is the answer. Here is the answer to all of life's problems. Here is the step that you've been looking for your whole life. And it's found in Acts chapter two, verse 38. Peter replied, repent and be baptized each of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's the response. That's what God wants from me. He doesn't want you to be a better person. He doesn't want your good deeds to outweigh your bad deeds. He doesn't want you to just serve on Sundays. He doesn't want you to just give money to the church. He doesn't want you to just do all the external things that may even be good things. There is one central and core response that God requires of us all. And that's repentance. Repentance and believing who Jesus is and what he's done. And that's what Peter commends to the church. And that's what we are being commended to today. Have you repented today? Now, we're talking about two kinds of repentance. One is a relational repentance that adopts you into the family of God. And so for some of us, we don't know God personally. We know about him, maybe. We read the Bible. Occasionally, we go to church a few times a year, but we don't really know him as a living God in our lives. And so this repentance is a form of adoption where we turn from those old ways and our old self and say, God, I trust you. God, I love you. God, I want to follow you. But that one decision of repentance leads to daily repentance, that every day we have to make that decision to follow Jesus. Every day we have to deny the flesh, deny those desires which are going to pull us away from living the life that God wants us to live. And every day must be a day of repentance. But that is not all. The Bible goes on to say that after we repent, that we will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, there's lots of confusion about the role of the Holy Spirit does. And so depending on your church background or the lack thereof, you may already be thinking that this is a good thing or bad thing, or I don't know what that is altogether. Let me say simply this. In this passage, the role of the Holy Spirit is talking about giving us those new desires so that we actually want to repent. Let me give you an example. There are things that I know are wrong and there are things that I feel to be wrong. And as I grow in Christ, the things I feel to be wrong lines up with the things that I know to be wrong, but it is a process. Sometimes things that we feel to be right, God says are wrong and we are in tension with what the God says. The Holy Spirit allows us to experience that new birth day by day so that our affections line up with the word and will of God himself. And so God isn't just saying, okay, repent, now go figure out the Christian life. No, he's saying, repent in every single day. The Holy Spirit, God, the Spirit will be in you and living with you and walking with you on this journey day by day. And so the same Jesus who came to rescue us and redeem us now gives us the comforter, the Holy Spirit to walk with us day by day. But neither at any time are we left alone. At any time, does God abandon us to our own devices? At no time are we left to figure this thing out by ourselves. So repentance brings relationship and in the indwelling of the spirit, which guides us, which gives us the ability to say, I'm sorry and mean it, what gives us the ability to live different lives. We begin the Christian life by faith and we continue it through the power of the spirit. Once again, talking about a simple church, there's a simple message that Jesus is both Lord and Messiah, and he calls us to come and follow him. There's a simple response. The simple response is repentance. Repentance and faith, believing that God will walk with you as God the Holy Spirit is in you. And there's also a simple mission simple mission a simple identity for those who have know that those of us that do know that jesus is both lord and messiah those of us who have repented and continue to re- repent what should we do next it's a simple task in front of us verse 42 of act chapter 2 talks about what happens after that it says that they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching to the fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer everyone was filled with all and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. Here we see four things that these early Christians begin to devote themselves to. And I want to walk through these four things because these are things that you can do at home. These are things that you can do without a building. These are things that you can do without all the awesome and great advances that Christianity has had over the last several thousand years. These are things that allow us to be the church and not just come to a church. And what are those things? First, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now, this Bible is filled with the apostles' teaching. And so although the apostles aren't living in our age, the words that they spoke inspired by the Holy Spirit are recorded for us. And so we now can still be lived and be devoted to the apostles' teaching in the word of God. And so what does it mean to be devoted to the word? At Radiant, we say something like there's a difference between consistency and intensity. And so there's a desire in our age to have a a short attention spans and and sudden rushes of emotion and euphoria. And so there's a desire for many of us to live this intensity life. We're looking for experiences that shock us and amaze us and change us. And sometimes God provides those. I know he's provided those moments in my life time and time again throughout the years. But there's something about devotion that says not about an intense moment, but a a consistent moment. Something simple is something as simple as spending time in the Word every single day, even if it's just a few minutes. The Bible, the Bible says that the early Christians devoted themselves to this teaching. They devoted themselves to the, the hearing of the Word of God, to the teaching of the Word of God. And so these are people who are students of the Word of God and gather regularly with the people of God. You see, we have many Bibles now, I have several different personal translations, which I'm grateful for, but the early church did not have, yet have a printed Bible. And so for them to hear the word of God, they must have come to the house of God around the people of God. And so not not in church buildings that we have now, but gathered in homes and, and in marketplaces and other places, believers would gather so they could hear the word being taught to them. And so we hear this sense of being gathered, not necessarily in one big building on Sunday, but gathered throughout the city under the authority of the word of God. And so the first thing we see that they were devoted to is through the teaching of the word. The second thing that we see that they were devoted to fellowship. They were devoted to fellowship. There is something about our culture that's, that's a little bit more comfortable um, all by ourselves. Even in Christianity, there's a strain of thought that says, well, it's just me and God, just me and God in my Bible, me and God in my quiet time. That's all that I need. I don't really need anyone else. I'm here to tell you that Christianity has been rigged so that it's been designed so that we need one another. We have all been adopted into God's family. And the truth is we are not only children. We have brothers and sisters whom we must do life with. I think about my own father who's um, getting advanced in age. And every time we, we end a phone call, he always says a couple things to me. One of those things that he always says to me is make sure you take care of your brothers and your sisters. Now, I'm the youngest of five. I feel like that's not my responsibility. But nevertheless, as he's thinking about, as he even moves on, He's thinking about what would be precious to him is the love that me and my other four brothers and sisters have for one another. And so God, who's a better father than any father known to man, is the same way. He wants his children to get along. He wants his brothers and sisters to love one another. And there are many commands called the one another's in scripture. Love one another, care for one another, serve one another, forgive one another, forbear with one another. You see, Christianity cannot be done in isolation. It requires fellowship. It requires this being known among a people, being known in a place. And so even as you're watching this, I'm grateful that you are tuning in. But Lord willing, one day this pandemic will end. One day the gathering of the saints will resume in different ways. And so I would challenge you even now, don't be satisfied with watching a sermon over the internet. Don't be satisfied thinking that this is good enough. No, you must be known and found among a people. And so even if you can find small groups now scattered around the city, let fellowship be part of your devotion. So we have devotion to the apostles' teaching, which is the word of God. We have devotion to fellowship. And we see that they were devoted to prayer. The third thing is devoted to prayer. Now, prayer is an often misunderstood thing, but prayer is the most powerful thing that we can do. Some of you are looking for an opportunity to serve those in your community. Some of you are looking for an opportunity to serve those around you and you don't know what to do because what can I do? I can't leave my house. It's actually more loving to not be around people in this season than to go be with somebody. And so what in this moment can we do? Pray. We can pray. Do you believe that if you are a believer that your prayers are heard by God? Do you believe that if you walked your neighborhood and prayed for the street numbers that you see in front of houses, that that would actually cause God to move in a unique and powerful way? Do you believe that even those friends and relatives that you can't see physically, that your prayers can actually do more than your presence at times? And so would we even in this season be reminded of the necessity of prayer? Because for many of us, that's all that we can do. That's all that we can do, but sometimes that's enough. And so the early apostles were devoted to prayer. And so we find ourselves in a season where we can be devoted to prayer as well. In verses 44 and 45, we see the last thing that the early Christians were devoted to. And that's simply generosity. Now, all the believers, verse 44, held, were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. Now, this isn't a command telling us that we must do it this way, but we see a heart here that says we don't want any of our brothers and sisters to be without, that if I have, then you have too. And so even in moments like this, outside of a pandemic, we were reminded that the early church without a uh, coronavirus epidemic sweeping the nation, they were still generous people. And so how much more so should we be generous as well? How much more so should that be a part and rhythm of the gathered and scattered church that we live as generous people? And so we see the four things that the early church were devoted to. They were devoted to the word of God. They were developed to the people of God through fellowship. They were devoted to speaking to God in prayer. And they were devoted to showing the love of God through generosity. Now, why are we going through this? This is a reminder for some, an introduction to others. Why are we doing this here today? Because I want to remind you that although the church may not be meeting in a building, the church is still on mission. The church still has something that it can do, and sometimes it may be best to reconnect with our roots here. The church, without social media platforms, without websites, without branding and logos and all the things that are good things and have helped advance the gospel in different ways, without all of those things, they gathered, they prayed, They read, they shared what they had, and that changed the world. If you are a Christian today, this was happening in the ancient Near East. This was happening in Jerusalem thousands of years ago. And if you are a Christian today, you descended from this lineage of 120 believers who were devoted to the word of God, devoted to fellowshipping with the people of God, devoted to praying and communicating to God, and devoted to showing the love of God. And so in this season where we feel like our hands are tied as a church, this may be a season where we can realize that we are actually unleashed to use the spiritual means of grace that God has instituted from the very beginning, that the church cannot be, not ineffective now, but can actually be more effective now as we go back to what started it all. A radical dependence upon the Holy Spirit. And so what was the fruit of all of this? What was the fruit of all of this? Bible says that Verse 40 says, With many words he testified and strongly urged them, saying, Be saved from this corrupt generation. So those who accepted this message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 people were added to them. That day that Peter preached a simple message, he called a simple response, and the church gathered in a simple way, that allowed the church to flourish. And in one day, 3,000 people came to know the Lord Jesus Christ. So church, Radiant Church specifically for a moment, we can't meet in our building, we can't gather, to do the same things, but that doesn't mean the church has to suffer in this moment. The church can actually flourish and thrive because the church has never been reliant on a building It it's never been reliant on social media or the internet. It's never been relying on the tools that we have added to Christianity. These are good things. I don't want you to hear me say they're bad things, but in a season where we can't access those things, I want you to know that we still have God and that's enough. We still have the power of the Holy Spirit and that's enough. We still have his word and that's enough. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? And so I wanna challenge you all to ask this question for yourself. How will the church flourish through me during this season? How will the church flourish through my life during this season? How will the church advance? How will God's mission go forth through my life? this morning how will that happen through you because these are simple people untrained men the bible calls them later and yet they were able to change the world because they relied on the power of the spirit now before i close i want to say this it would be unwise for me to assume that everyone who is watching this knows the lord jesus christ is a believer and so let me say this to you now You have probably experienced church in some way, some form, some fashion. And I'm sorry that we've taken over your newsfeed on Sunday mornings now, that we have a thousand churches streaming. Um, But maybe you've been confused what this church thing is all about. Maybe you've heard that the church is about this or that. The church is for this and against that. And so you've never really made a decision because it's never really been clear what we're doing here as Christians. And I want to remind you in this moment of a very simple message we are about proclaiming Jesus as Messiah and Lord. We are about calling people to repentance, not to dress like us, talk like us, listen to music that we like. We're called people to repentance. And then when we gather, all the systems and all the extra stuff, which is good, is not necessary. We must gather around the word of God. We gather around the people of God. We gather as we pray and speak to God. And we gather to show the love of God through our generosity to one another and to the world. And so if you've been confused about what this whole church thing is about, let me say simply, it's about Jesus. It's about him and what he's done. And it's about him living through us as a gathered and now scattered people. And so the question I want to put before you is not how will the church advance through you, but will you be a part of this? Maybe you said no to Christianity because of other things. Maybe you said yes to Christianity because of other things. But I want you to hear clearly saying yes or saying no must be based upon the fact of what are you going to do with Jesus? A.W. Tozer put it like put it like this. He says we must do something with the cross. Either we will run to it and die or we will run from it and die. As we run to it, we die to self and find new life in him. But as we run away from it, we die forever, separated from God eternally. And so there are consequences to this decision. This decision cannot wait. If you are on the fence right now, if you're watching on Facebook Live, if you just type there in the comments, hey, I need prayer or hey, I have questions. We have an army of Christians watching this channel right now. We have an army of radiant folks watching this channel right now. And they will engage with you right there where you are. Maybe you wanna go into a private message where you could ask questions. Right after this, I'll be monitoring the comments myself and I would love to pray with you. But I would say, don't just turn off this live stream saying, oh, that was a good time. Or, oh, the sound was this or the sound was that. No, it's about Jesus. And the technical stuff we're still figuring out. But beyond that, what are you gonna do about Jesus? What are you gonna do about the problem that you know that you are broken on the inside? You know that you have tried to fix yourself and you can't and you have a creeping suspicion in the back of your mind that. Your efforts are not good enough. Well, oh, Jesus is offering you redemption today. Jesus is offering you hope today. Jesus is offering you salvation today. And all that we require, all that he requires is repentance. A simple response of saying no to you and yes to him. Would you engage now? Would you pray with me now? Father, God, I thank you for all those who are um, gathered around screens, around tablets, around iPads, around Laptops. I thank you, God, that you are doing something unusual and yet at the same time very familiar. God, I pray that we would draw courage and strength from these early disciples that gathered without the modern conveniences that we've taken for granted. And yet they were able to see your church grow and flourish in powerful ways. God, would we be reminded of what is necessary and all that is necessary we still have in you. We still have your word. We still have your people. We still have your spirit. And we still have the mission. God, would you remind us and comfort us of that truth right now? Father God, I want to pray for all of those who don't know you, who may be listening now or listening later. God, I pray that you would convict their hearts right now, that they would see that this is good news, that nothing was acquired but repentance and faith in the precious name of Jesus, we pray all these things. Amen and amen. Church, thank y'all so much for joining us this week. Uh, We're going to cut off the live stream now, but I'll be in the comments. I'd love to pray with you, talk with you, and engage with you. I'll see you back here next week. Be blessed.